You're listening to the Inner Child Podcast. If your whole adult life, all you've ever experienced was dating men who were narcissistic or emotionally unavailable, listen up because you are about to get your minds blown and feel so inspired. Because for this brilliant yoga doing single mama, not only was she able to finally heal her inner child, but she met her first healthy partner just six months after joining our soulmate program. And they are now in a committed, secure relationship. I almost want to cry talking about this because it's just so beautiful. Her name is Ronalee, and she's going to share with you today what it was like shifting from an anxious attachment style to now a secure attachment style, and what some of the biggest lessons and turning points in her long journey was. I'm so excited for this. Stay tuned right after this intro. Hi, I'm Gloria Zhang, and after 10 years of struggling in toxic relationships, I attracted the love of my life by healing my inner child. This podcast is your weekly dose of my expertise as a therapist and dating relationship coach for high achievers. Learn tips to overcome low self-worth, emotional baggage, and childhood trauma so that you too can step into your power and attract the love you desire. Welcome to the Inner Child Podcast. Hey, my girl, Ronalee, welcome to the Inner Child Podcast. How are you doing today? I'm good. Hi, Gloria. Thank you for letting me be here today. I'm super excited. Yes, this is where it all started, right? Yes, <laughs> our first conversation. Here. Yeah. <laughs> so before we jump in, can you quickly tell us a little bit about who you are and maybe what life and relationships used to look like before you joined the program? Sure. So I'm Ronalee. I'm 36 years old. I live in Berlin, Germany. I am a single mother to a wonderful six-year-old boy. I work in global mobility. I'm also a yoga teacher, a coach, and I've recently started to channel Reiki energy. Mm. I started your program eight months ago. And before that, so let me go back 15 years, is when I started to have, when I had my first relationship. And since then, back-to-back relationships with five different men. And between those relationships, maybe a period of about four to six weeks. So just that small of a break between them. And that was my life before I joined the program. And now I'm here. Here you are. (laughs) And we're so happy for you, Ronalee. Oh, there's just so many things that I want to dig into today. First and foremost, we were just talking about a recent win that you had. (laughs) Tell us about how you used to feel in these relationships with men versus the relationship that you've joined in recently. So me as an anxious person in relationships, I used to attract a lot of avoidant people. And the dynamic that would play out was the push-pull dynamic, the pursuer-distancer dynamic, and I was always the one chasing. So basically, in all of my past relationships, all I ever did was ask for my needs to be met and fight about how my needs were not being met, and they never were met, and that went on and on. So it never really went beyond that. The arguments were very cyclical. We always went back to the same issues. Nothing was resolved. And I just felt like I was just chasing and chasing. So by the end of any relationship, I always felt really exhausted, very burned out and just needing a break. And then having a small break and having a small window of independence and 
realizing that, hey, I can do this on my own. I don't need a man. But then a man would come along and love bomb me. Mm -hmm. And I was very susceptible to the love bombing and would fall for it very quickly. And this would turn into a relationship very, very quickly. So now with the tools that you've given us through the program with how to build a relationship and taking it slow, this is so different from anything I've ever done before. Before it was really just like go on a date, sleep with a person and hey, it's a three-year relationship. Um, And now it's so different. We have these milestones that we want to get through before even determining whether or not a relationship will work for us. The guy that I'm seeing right now, we are exclusively dating. We have been for the last couple of months. Um, He has a very secure attachment style. And it's been so refreshing for me to see that there is a different way that relationships can be. This is very new for me. And you know very well that I have felt so much fear around this, this newness, expecting avoidant reactions and behaviors and not getting them and being really confused that, oh, you know, this is how it could have been the whole time, but I didn't know this until now. So it's a very recent welcome new change for me. I'm really (laughs) excited. But along with all this excitement, of course, there are these new things coming up. This past week, there was a situation where I thought the relationship was going to end because the communication style changed. I wasn't getting the messages that I was getting before. I wasn't getting the validation. Everything was different. And we've discussed before when there's a change, what happens within me or anyone with an inner child with any wounds, it's a dramatic shift in my body. And I have to get used to it. I have to make sense of it. I try to rationalize it. I try to figure things out. For the first time this week, instead of going to the person I'm dating and saying, hey, what's going on and making a big deal out of it, I went internally and just tried to figure out like, why am I feeling this way? And I figured out for myself that it's because I thought this was turning into the avoidance situation that I knew from before, where the messages would slowly stop, the communication would just change, no more love bombing, but just kind of very flat answers with no emotion and really empty. And this was only a couple of days this week, and I did this for years. So seeing the difference now, and what I did was I went to you, I went to the community and said, how can I not come up as selfish and still ask for my needs to be met? This was the question, and it had everything to do with Oh, yeah, right. Yeah, (laughs) I realized then that what was happening was that I had not met my own needs, and I was expecting him to meet my needs. And in this period where he wasn't feeling well and couldn't meet my needs, I just had this situation where I freaked out a little bit. But this time I went back to some of the tools that we used in the program. I did a lot of journaling. I sat with myself. I sat with the emotion. I did some crying. I did a lot of things. And then I woke up yesterday feeling abundant, feeling excited about life again. (laughs) Nothing had shifted externally. Nothing had changed. I still was not getting the messages, but the shift happened inside of me. And this has been a big win for me in the program, knowing that I have created this safe space for me inside. And I can go back to that space whenever I want now. I don't have to look for it externally. I don't have to use a relationship to fill all of those needs that one person can't fill anyways, but that was the expectation I used to have. So that was a big win for me this week. There's still progress and trying to see exactly what happened this week, but I can already say that I feel good and I feel safe in my body again, even though for those couple of days I did not. And a big difference is that it used to take me weeks to get out of that space. And usually I would be really destructive in that time and spiral and Mm -hmm. involve friends and be like, what do you think is going on? And 
just involved the external world to try to figure things out. But this time I did go to the community, which is different from just involving friends or the person you're dating. And then did the inner work, checked in with my inner children to see what was going on there and saw a bunch of memories that I had forgotten about and tried to work on healing those and just being there. And this has been huge for me. I can't explain how lost I was before and how the lack of skills I had. I had no emotional regulation. I relied 100% on my partner to fix me, to be there for me, to calm me down. And yes, the message I got this morning where there was a little bit more explanation, it did calm me down. But even before that, I was already in a good place. I was about 50% better than the day before. And before that, already 50% better. So for me, that's a huge win. Yes. We love that win, Ronalee. And it's so wonderful that you are able to make yourself okay. And the relationship was fine, right? It turns out there was nothing wrong. Yeah, nothing was wrong. Uh, yes. <laughs> and we were okay too. So we'll talk more about the relationship and what it feels like to finally be in a secure relationship. But what were some of the things that had happened to you in childhood that led to developing this anxious attachment style? I grew up in a really big family. My parents were immigrants. I was born in Germany. They worked full time. Basically, the overarching feeling I had during my childhood was loneliness, not feeling understood, not being heard. I didn't get the encouragement, nurturing, love that I would have wanted as a child. And I see a huge difference with how I mother my son what he needs, the space I have to hold for him. These things are things I had to learn while being a mother. My parents didn't have these tools. This is another big win from the program, seeing that my parents were flawed and me expecting perfectionism from them was very unfair towards them. This helped me a lot to kind of see my parents as real people and not, you know, they should have known all these things about me when I didn't even know what I needed as a child. So in my childhood, I was a very quiet, shy girl. I smiled a lot. People would tell me I'm very smart and pretty, and I would just keep on smiling. I was very helpful. I helped my mom a lot with my brothers. I have three brothers. And this turned into me as a teenager where I was a people pleaser. I did mm -hmm. not speak up. I did not ask for any of my needs to be met. This was not even a concept for me to ask for anything from anyone. So this is kind of how I felt most of the time. And I think the anxiety when I started to be really aware of it was after I moved out of my mom's apartment and started my own life as an adult and seeing like, I have no safety net. I have nobody backing me up in case I have a bad day, in case I can't pay rent, in case, I don't know, all these worst case scenarios that would come up. And this is when I started to have panic attacks too. I would worry so much and it was all in my head. And most of the time, everything was fine. I was a regular broke student, but I did work and I knew how to make ends meet. I had mm -hmm. a very strong warrior inner teenager inside of me that pushed me through every single situation. So I got through everything, but it was on my own. And I used relationships and ex-boyfriends to be that person there, which should have been a parent. The parent figure that had been missing my whole life is what I expected from most or all of my past relationships. In hindsight, I see how unfair and how unrealistic this expectation was, but that was my automatic behavior. That's how I saw things. 
I only recently have been able to have the words to explain what was going yeah. on for me back then, but it was all automatic. It was all my core wounds playing out, my inner child needing things from these men, them not being able to meet my needs, and then just on and on and on for 15 years. It was a long time of playing all those things out. And now at 36, I feel like that is never going to happen again. <laughs> never, <laughs> and it's so freeing and refreshing. The guy I'm dating at the moment, it's just amazing. The way he replies to some of the things I say, I'm shocked. I have a really like two to five seconds of like, oh, and I'm thrown off guard because I expect avoidant. I expect to be pushed away. I expect for anything I say to be too much. I even ask him a lot of the time, like, was that too much? And he'll say, what do you mean? I, what are you talking about? And I'm like, I mean, because it was too much, right? You know, I, I almost as if I'm trying to convince him that I am too much, but I never am. And that for me is in those moments where he reassures me it wasn't too much. Those are moments of healing for me. When I realize this is different now and I don't have to expect at every moment for someone to push me away. So, Mike, drop that. Yeah. Right <laughs> the power of co regulation. I mean, you've just described it, Ronalee, of why I don't really like the anxious and avoidant pairing in relationships. Yeah. You know, I feel like the socially appropriate thing to say is any relationship could work out, right? <laughs> you just have to keep working at it. But at what point does it feel like it's harder to try to make things work and try to force things to work when things can be so much different, right? You know, I asked the same question to Amanda, who was on the show, but what does a secure relationship really feel like from someone who previously, you know, for her entire life has had these anxious tendencies in relationships. So apart from this week, when I was very anxious about, you know, this was all in my head and I had created this narrative, it has no anxiety. The energy is not spent on what does he think? Did I say too much? Did I do too much? I do do that a little bit because I'm still shifting from the anxious attachment, trying to move more to the secure but it's just mutual. Everything is mutual. How much we like each other, the things we say to each other. This is new for me, so I still don't have the words to describe how it feels. But what I've said to you and to the group before is it's just so refreshing. It's the breath of fresh air. I don't have to use all my energy or waste my energy on something that is not going to happen. I mean, this is very early on with a guy I'm dating, so it's hard to say still, but there's no arguing, there's no real conflict. Whenever anything comes up, you just talk about it and it's dealt with pretty quickly. So there's more time to talk about other things. And we love talking. We talk so much about so many things. I tell him all about the program. He knows that I have you. I have the group supporting me. And he's even asked me a few times, what does Gloria think about this? Or how do you ask Gloria? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's amazing. And, you know, once I told him, I don't know what we were talking about, but I said something like, I'm not ready to tell you that yet. And he said, should I go ask Gloria? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it is hilarious. So you are a real person for him because he knows that this has been such a big part of the reason why we found each other and we're together and we're trying to make it work. We don't really even have to try. I think that was a bad choice of words. And this is the big thing with a secure relationship. There's no trying necessary. There's ease. It's simple. It's not toxic. 
there are times when I'm still kind of like, oh, that could have gone another way, mm -hmm. but it didn't. And I'm there kind of sitting back where I could be using that time to be loving and caring. As I'm shifting to the more secure, I do see these moments and I hope that one day they will be a thing of the past where maybe I will remember all of those avoidant men I used to be with. I can tell you exactly what someone would have said and I can give you this situation. Do you remember when I was working on asking for my needs to be met and that on that particular day, I wanted to be held? It wasn't enough for me. My love languages are words of affirmation and physical touch. And on that particular day, it wasn't enough for me to just to have nice words from him. And I needed to have a hug. And so I sent him a message saying, I just really need a hug from you. Can you please come over? And I was telling you guys that in those 45 minutes where I was waiting for a message, I had all these scenarios in my head of him saying, or based on past avoidant relationships, I could tell you exactly what some of them would have said. Some of them would have said, oh, you being needy again, what's going on? Or making a, a joke that would just make me feel so ashamed for having asked in the first place. And the answer I got from him was, sure. And right. I even told him that night, like that was a big thing that you just wrote, sure. And because I can tell you exactly what other people would have said. And he actually said he is very aware of what I'm going through and wants to make it easier for me. And so he specifically just wrote, sure, with a happy smile to show me, you know, mm -hmm. of course. So that was a really nice moment. Another kind of healing moment for me. <laughs> Your answer is so beautiful, Ronalee. And Amanda basically said the exact same thing. And it's been my experience, too. You know, it's so funny. Sometimes I've gotten a few DMs from people asking me, well, can you tell me more about what things do you argue with with Andrew? Like, what kind of arguments do you have? <laughs> and my honest answer is there are no arguments, right? Mm -hmm. People think I'm making it up, but I'm not, right? Because that's the thing about secure relationships is sometimes little things like you describe, they do come up, right? Concerns, but you just talk about it. And it's such a crazy concept for those of us who never grew up in these healthy relationships where it is possible to not argue, right? It's possible to just not fight, but talking about it is one thing, but experiencing it is a whole other different right. thing. So thanks for sharing that, Ronalee. I was going to ask you, you've been at this self-development stuff for a while. What were some things that maybe you've tried in the past that might have helped a little bit, but didn't really change relationships? And what do you think feels so different about the Soulmate program? So I have always been a big fan of therapy, self-help. I started reading self-help books when I left high school and those things did help to a certain extent, but I felt they were always very temporary and didn't go deep enough in the soulmate program. So the difference is the relationship you cultivate with your inner children. I had never done that before. And I was always aware of this concept of the inner child and you know the inner child always being with you. But to the extent that I went during the program, like that was new for me, where I was actually sitting in meditations and sitting with my inner children in specific situations from the past, like actual memories, where this time, instead of seeing my inner child on her own, crying on a bench at the school playground, me as the adult was sitting there with her and holding her and letting her cry and telling her, I'm here for you. Now I'm here for you. No one was there for you before, but now I'm here for you. And then seeing the shift from us crying to us giggling, 
and then her running off and playing. Even if that never actually happened, there's a shift that happens inside of me where it's again a healing moment. I was there for that girl in that moment. And the same memory has come up a few times. So I'm seeing that I can't just do it one time. It was a very traumatic event for me. And I'm going to need to do this a few times until she's happy on the bench and it doesn't start off with us in tears. I've seen this also with my inner teenager. You know this girl. She is the rebel in me. And it went from her having a mind of her own, wanting to put herself in very unsafe situations where you, my friends, were saying, please don't do that. Please do not go meet that guy who was going to travel from the US to Europe to see me. Please don't do it because you don't know him. But my inner teenager wanted to. And this was a big shift for me when I went to you and I was crying on the coaching call with the group there saying, Gloria, I cannot control her. I am so frustrated with my inner teenager because she wants to do this and I know it's bad for us. And you said, maybe you just need to let her do what she wants to do. And all she needs to see is that you're going to be there for her. You're not going to judge her and that you could pick up the pieces after the mess. And that for me, I think this was in March and I think that is when the transformation really happened because what I did then was I sat with her and I told her, okay, if you want to do this, if you want to potentially put yourself in a situation that will take years for us to recover from, do it. I'm there for you. You know, you can go have some fun. It's going to probably end up in heartache and trauma, but I will pick up the pieces after you because now I have the tools to be able to do this. And in the end, we decided not to do it. And now I see her happily on the couch, sleeping, mm -hmm. resting, being lazy the way a teenager should be and not the way I was as a teenager, which was structured <laughs> schedule, you know, very disciplined. I was very athletic. I danced. I was a cheerleader. I had so many activities and it was just so structured that I would just be so exhausted by the end of the day doing homework at 11 p.m. in bed by one, up again by six. She had no rest. And so now she can finally rest. And this has been so beautiful for me to be able to access that. This is not something that I would have ever had in any kind of therapy oh. from a book. And this is from the tools that you've taught us, as well as my own kind of exploring and digging based on what you've said. And you've helped us to create this safe space where we can explore. This is not something I would have felt comfortable doing where, you know, just sit with the children and see who I see. And I've mentioned this to you before. I managed to go all the way back to me as a two-month-old. It hasn't happened a lot, but I saw her crying. I saw the pain. It started at two months, probably before that. So this is the big thing for me. I'm going to spend my life being with these girls, sitting with them, also identifying which one of those girls, which age is it right now that is feeling this way. And this week, I saw that it was the nine-year-old me, the one at the playground alone, she loved learning and she loved school, but then during the breaks and recess, when my mind was not occupied, she would fall apart and there was no one there to catch her. So I'm here to catch her now. I sit on that bench with her and I let her cry. I let her just cry as long as she needs to. It's never very long. She doesn't need it for that long. She just needs someone there. And this has been amazing for me. I have goosebumps just talking about it now. <laughs> me too. <laughs> it's something that you can't get from a book. You can't get from a TED Talk. I love your program, Gloria. I would recommend it to anyone who just needs that last or big step to going inside and not fearing yourself because that's what I was doing. I was afraid of the teenager in me. She's the angry one. She's the impatient one. She wants things here and now. And 
I managed to get to know her, become her friend. We spoke about this too, using humor to get her to feel closer yes. to me. Worked. I, we were joking <laughs> around and sometimes she'll still kind of be apart from the rest of the group and just kind of observe and look a little bit sulky, but she's a teenager. She can be like that. You know, she has stuff going on. But I think the nine-year-old and the 15 to 16-year-old, those were the two keys for me to be able to have any kind of healthy relationship, not just with a partner, but with work colleagues, with friends, with family too. So this has been a big thing. And also with my son. My son is the best for me because I see what does he need. And so everything I've learned about what my inner children need, I have learned also from him and I use on him too. I hold space for him. It never lasts for too long. Sometimes he just needs to cry and I tell him I'm here for you and I don't try to fix what he's going through. And for me, this has been such a, I don't even have the words for it. It's almost like a full <laughs> circle where, you know, my inner children and my own child and hopefully yeah. his inner child, which is, is there, is being developed as we speak, will then grow up to be someone loving and who can have a healthy relationship and won't have all these issues that I've needed years and years to go through and so much anxiety. Yeah, that inner teenager story, that story will never get old. And for those who are thinking like, what does she mean by inner children? So, you know, one of the things that happens is when at certain ages of your life, when you don't get needs met, it's almost like that child version of you gets broken off, right? And, and it becomes emotionally stuck. A way you can tell is if you get into these same triggers, right, or these same relationships, you'll almost feel like, wow, like I'm feeling the same abandonment I felt when I was eight years old or 10 years old, more as a teenager as well. And helping people work through this is something that we do inside Soulmate. But that inner teenager I was quite familiar with because she got mad at me at the start of the program. You look glorious, Gloria. I mean, this has been, I think, the key when you start the program. So Gloria made us all... <laughs> come up with a, a timeline, amount of time in which we would only focus on the program and on ourselves and not date or flirt or go on dating apps. And that was a big yeah, one for me. Heart retreat. Right. And I was yeah. this flirty. I love doing it. I used to just love flirting with anyone. So for three months, I decided I would focus on the program, but I was a little bit annoyed with Gloria at the beginning thinking like, why is she making me do this? You know, it wasn't me, the <laughs> rational me. It was my inner teenager going, no one tells me what to do. And this was how I grew up where I had this throughout my whole teenage years, you know, my mom being who she is and I just didn't want to be controlled by her. I never did anything really bad, but I always kind of tried to do my own thing. And so the inner teenager came up then at the beginning, came up also when I was figuring this whole thing out with the guy from high school the narcissist. And yeah, she was a part of me that really was split from me. And what you were saying with the trauma being stuck, this is exactly what happened for me. Very specific memories just made that age, that part of me split from whoever I was developing into. And I had to reconnect with these parts of me. And I still am doing that. Like I said, it's not like a one-off, hey, I met the nine-year-old and she's fine. I thought it would be like that. The first time it happened, I was like, yay, she's healed. Um, and now I'm seeing actually, she is the same person who keeps on coming up. It's this <laughs> nine-year-old or the 15, 16-year-old. It takes time and it gets mm -hmm. easier each time. And it's a lot of revisiting of the same situation and repetitive, which is what you do. You know, you repeat the same messages to us, the same 
safe, loving, caring messages so that we finally get it into our heads that this is what we deserve. Oh, you figured me out. <laughs> I, figured you out I have jumped around with some of the other soulmates saying like, you know, I'm channeling my inner Gloria. And someone <laughs> said to me, someone actually said to me, because she reached out, we've been messaging back and forth. And I replied to her telling her how my experience was. And she said, you're starting to sound like Gloria. And I was like, that is the biggest compliment ever. I was so happy when she said that. <laughs> that was my validation for me because you have a message for us, which is go back to yourself, love yourself. You are the person that matters. And you were the person that was abandoned your whole life. And now she doesn't have to be abandoned anymore. Right. Um, and of course, there are different things that you say and different messages and different tools, but you repeat these things. There's, It's not always something new that comes up. And you know, sometimes I come to the group with a question saying like, oh my God, I'm worried about whether I'm going to be secure or not. And I've noticed a shift also in how you answer my questions because I have been in the program for eight months now. At the beginning, there were very targeted questions that came back from you. You were guiding me into a specific direction. And now you let me talk and I figure it out because I have learned from you how to approach a situation. I, I don't know if you've noticed that, but I have noticed it. You figured out all of my secret skills. Everything I've learned. And it has been such a nice, like it's been validation for me because I see I have made so much progress. I no longer need Gloria to, to walk me step-by-step step through every single thought process I have. But I have her there to, because sometimes I still am a little bit confused and lost. And because this is new territory for me, healthy relationship, what is that? (laughs) So I have to be like, Gloria, uh, what do I do? And then you say, what do you want to do? And I figure it out. So this has been such a big thing for me. I think it went from relying on you 100% for my own emotional regulation, which is what I did with men before to relying on myself and just having maybe the 0.001% of you. (laughs) And Ronald we know this. Go back to that tool. Go back to that module. We know this. And I go, oh yeah, of course. And then I figure it out. So the point of this is not for you to always be our mother hen. (laughs) The point of this is for us to be able to do this for ourselves going forward. You got it. So I am so grateful to you. There you go. That's... (laughs) Oh, I'm so glad to hear, Ronalee, and your progress has been amazing because similar to what I said to Amanda, like you really went all in on this, right? You did the work, you said you were going to do the thing, and you actually went ahead and did it. And, you know, one of the positive things I picked up from my trauma is I have a very good memory for things. <laughs> so, you know, folks at the beginning, when they join the programs, they need a bit more hands-on, but eventually I know you, like I know that you know the stuff and then since you've been in the program for a while now, it's just a matter of reminding you of it, right? Of your own power and what you already know. And you do figure it out every single time. Yes, I do. <laughs> and it, fail. For sure. And it gets faster and faster, I feel. Still not as fast as I would want it to be. You know, my perfectionist and high achieving tendencies are still there. But I'm seeing, like I said, the anxiety this week was just maybe 24 hours and not a whole week. And one thing I wanted to mention, another change I've noticed with everyone on the program, because we always have these new people joining, it starts off with us being really, you know, we're here and we're open and we're going to do this, but our defenses are still up because we say, you know, it's fine. I've gone through my 36 years figuring it out. I can do it. I do need your help, Gloria, but not really. I can figure it out. And then things start to get really tough where you're 
digging and you're going deep and all this pain is coming up. And then we cry on the group call. This is almost like the rite of passage. I remember the first time I cried with the group, I think this was back in December, and I turned the video off. I was so ashamed of myself for having fallen apart. And I was just like, what are they going to think? Oh my God. You know, all of these very not helpful thoughts came up. And what happened after that was probably the first healing moment for me when you said, Ronalee, this is a safe place. You can fall apart. Secondly, the messages I got from the fellow soulmates saying, I'm so thankful that you shared that because this is exactly how I feel too. And now I get it more. And I just realized like, this is what I needed. This like-minded community and Gloria, this safe place for us to deal with such big issues. And this is a very specialized thing. Inner child work is not something that you can just talk about with a friend and they'll get it right away. I have a lot of friends who grew up in very secure families, so they never got it. They never understood. They tried not to be judgy, but they were. Also, having the wounds, I'm very alert when it comes to any kind of judginess because I don't want to be criticized. I fear that kind of thing. So they were not people I could talk about this topic with. We're colleagues, no way. At work, you're not talking about, I'm talking about immigration at work, not about inner child healing. So having the community and being able to go to the group and just, you know, put your question there. And this has been, I think, you know, it's not enough to just have the tools. It's not enough to have the coaching, but you need to have this group that is there to support you. And you see, hey, I'm not alone. And this girl had this very specific question. I'm going to write to her right now and see how she dealt with it. And I've had a few calls with Thea. There were two very specific topics where I was like, I need to talk to her. We need to talk to each other. And we've had these calls and you've gotten to know each other and it's just really comfortable. And it's not about us fixing anything or trying to figure out the problem right there. And then it's just having a person who knows you. We all, I think in the group have this bond now because we've shared deepest, darkest parts of ourselves with one another. And these fears that who would you tell? I probably never even told my ex-partners about this childhood neglect or the depth of it. I mentioned it in passing, but said, oh no, it's fine. I'm fine now. Not realizing that actually I'm not fine. I haven't been fine. And I've had to do all this work to be able to figure it out. So you've told me before, these are lifelong friends. I think friend doesn't even cut it. These are soulmates. These are people who went through so much trauma and similar trauma. And we're just trying to figure it out. And it's beautiful. We're all so brave. It's amazing. And so, yes, we cry together. And then after that first cry on the call is when I was there. I was 100% committed. And I was like, you know what? They're not going to judge me. We're all learning here and we're all here to share experience. And everyone can learn from this and I can learn from everyone else. So it changed for me a lot. And I went back to some of the older calls. I did this a few months ago where I went back to January and I saw myself kind of still being all like, presentable and like, yeah, it's fine. You know, ha, ha, right? ha. everything's um, okay. <laughs> everything is fine. You know, I've had like the horrible, the most horrible yeah. childhood, but don't worry. And then it just went to like holding space for that, you know, knowing I cannot change that now. And all I can do now is be there for those inner children who needed me back then. I can go on about this for hours, Gloria. <laughs> and this group. That's all right. Thank you. You're going to make me tear up. Yeah. It's true. Every calls, there's always someone who cries yeah. who needs that space to just fall apart. Right. Um, because that's the only way through these feelings, right? Yeah. Something I wanted to ask you, Ronalee, is 
I always end up working with a lot of single mamas. We have a quite sizable chunk of folks who also have an Asian background. And I think having those connections is really important. What I love so much about your story is I'm careful when working with folks who have beliefs of, I can't find someone, I'm a single mom, it's impossible, because we want to validate their experiences, but at the same time, help them understand that when you are in abundance, it doesn't matter, right? Like, of course, you can find someone if you're a single mom, or if you're not like 18 years old, or if you're Asian or of a minority race. What are some of your thoughts on that and your own journey through that? That's a really, really fitting question, Gloria. So after I'm divorced, and after the divorce, I had this thought, I'm a single mom, why would anyone love me? So I joined the dating apps with that kind of headspace where I was just like, you know what? Of course, there was this need and desperation because I was like, if no one's going to pay attention to me. And I started off by hiding the fact a little bit that I was a single mom. At the time, my son was two and a half, three years old, which is pretty young. And I probably wasn't in the right headspace to even date, but I did because I needed some adult connection and this validation from an adult. And so the person I ended up dating and being in a relationship with for three years, he accepted my situation very quickly. This was a big thing for me where he didn't mind at all that I had a son. He actually really liked my son and we turned into this little family pretty quickly. And that went on for a little while, but I noticed then after a couple of years, my needs were not being met. My emotional needs, my practical needs of having someone to help me with my son, they were being met. My son is older now, he's six, and I joined the dating apps again in March of this year, and my mindset was so different. I didn't go in hiding the fact that I was a single mom. I had it in my profile. I think it was like the second line after, hey, my name is Ronalee, I wrote single mom to six-year-old boy, divorced. I think I even put that in there. It wasn't an issue at all. And it's because of what you said, you know, anyone I meet has to like me for who I am at the moment that we meet. There shouldn't be any hope or potential for change or that I'm going to turn into someone else that I'm going to mold myself into the person they've always wanted. So I put myself out there and said, Hey, look, I'm a single mom. I don't have a lot of time, but if you want to meet someone fun and who's very international and healing her inner child, I'm pretty sure I had that in my profile. <laughs> oh, <you> did. <laughs> I, did. I put in so much information because what I didn't want was someone who was not comfortable talking about this kind of thing. And right. I actually went on a date, a few dates with one guy who was very nice. And I thought there could have been potential. But as soon as I said, I'm a huge fan of therapy, what do you think? He was like, what? Really? No. And I was like, okay, I can't. Mm. I can't, I can't be with someone like that yeah. because my Next. life, exactly. My life is healing right. and therapy and psychology and inner child. This is my life now. So with the person I'm dating, I've actually showed him my notes. But it was like, look at what I wrote. And this is what's important to me. I need to be held. You know, <laughs> on the call, this is the call a couple of weeks ago where I just realized like, I need to have a hug. I've shown him that the worksheets that we're going to be going through at some point, and he's super oh, yeah. excited. <laughs> Happily ever after? Yes, yes. yes. All of those Love things it. that we want to figure out before we say, hey, this is a committed relationship. And yeah, this is important for me. This was important. And this is such a big difference from three years ago when I was like, I don't care who I meet as long as they will accept me that I'm a single mom. And this time I showed up saying, hey, this is me. I have so much to me. Being a single mom is only a part of me. It's a big part of me, but 
you know, I can date and now it's working and they've met each other. My son and the person I'm dating, it's really nice. And we're going to build it up very slowly. I don't expect us to become a little family right away the way it was with the other ex-boyfriend. But yeah, does that answer your question? Yeah, it does. (laughs) So much more. And was it six months in that you met him? Yes. And I love this story so much. You know, a lot of folks, especially at the beginning, have a lot of resistance towards online dating because they've had not so great experiences in the past. And of course, soulmate, we kind of give you some mechanics of how to make it work. Was there anything that you learned from inside the program about dating or online apps that was like, whoa, like I'd never done it this way before, like anything surprising? So much. (laughs) I think everything (laughs) you taught us was like, what? Starting with how to figure out the red flags um, early on in other people's profiles, you know, not just to like, look at the picture. I know this sounds really silly, but if we think back to my inner teenager, who was the one swiping? It was her. And what she looked for was someone hot, someone tall, you know, like very superficial characteristics. (laughs) And and you saying like the way they write things, that could be a red flag. And I was like, oh my God, that's true. Also, you know, putting myself in the profile, like who I am and no surprises. That was a big thing for me me looking at other people's profiles and thinking, okay, no, like there were so many very cute guys where I was like, oh, I could, I can give you a very good example. (laughs) This was a huge one for me. I was a cheerleader in my teens and I dated some of the basketball players. It was a national basketball team in Germany. And while I was swiping back in March, I saw a basketball player who plays for the team here in Berlin. And I was tempted, I have to say. And I, I was looking at <laughs> him and thinking, yeah. like, oh, this could be, and this is my teenager, right? Like, she was just like, come on, do it. And I didn't. I decided, no, I'm not going to do this because I would just be repeating something. I think it was a thought process of about 10 seconds, but that's a bigger window than anything I ever had before, which was maybe like one and a half seconds. I see the cute picture and yes. So that was a big thing, picking up on things, listening to myself while swiping, like how does my body feel? Because your body knows, your body picks up on things before your mind does, at least mine does. And I would feel tense looking at someone's profile, not knowing why. And I'm just like, okay, my body is tense. I'm not going to do this. And then after that, you know, the communication style, looking for red flags there. And also the big thing was sticking to one to two guys and not, mm-hmm. I think. That's a tough one. Ago, that was a tough <laughs> one Again, my inner teenager was going like, you know what? I, there's like so many guys here. I could potentially have like 20 to more. And I've heard from friends, they can, sometimes they're talking to like 200 people at once. And I'm, I was right. like, whoa. Yeah, it doesn't work. <laughs> it doesn't work. It just doesn't work. And it definitely didn't work for me. And I stuck to, I think at most three guys, the guy I'm seeing now was one of them. And it was just interesting to be able to have like a very direct comparison of like, okay, he was okay with the psychology stuff. He definitely wasn't. So I'm not going to see him again and eliminating them based on that. So you gave us a structure, a way to do online dating, which is <laughs> unheard of for me. Yeah, I went in like scared with some resistance, but then I started to have fun because I was like, I'm in control. I'm yeah, the one, you, you know, in, in the driver's seat. Yeah, they're not going to just yeah. like swipe on me. And there are a few where I told you guys this, where I accidentally swiped the wrong way and then had like 15 <laughs> matches. And I was just like, oh, yeah, oh my right. God, what do I do? <laughs> and again, <laughs> someone in the community was like, you can just unmatch them. I was like, what? You yeah. Can? Yeah. And so that was helpful. So it was like having right. practical advice while doing something really huge. And usually you don't have any guidance when you're doing this kind of thing. So then it went on from the swiping to the communication to the actual date. 
I've never really had a problem with the date itself, but it's like the preparation and then afterwards. That's where I usually have a very automatic mindset or before where I go in thinking, oh, maybe he's the one and just like, that's it. And then afterwards, ignoring all the red flags and going, he's the one. <laughs> so <Right>. not really <laughs> having any kind of filtering system there. So that was helpful. We had this, I don't remember what it's called now, but the after the date, mm-hmm. you know, oh, yeah, the going to sleep. And then, mm-hmm. yes. And I love doing that. I love yeah. like having the rest and then going back and thinking like, were there any red flags? How did my body feel? Because this is not something you would usually do. And some of it was really interesting. And I remember thinking the guy I'm seeing now, he passed every single post-date reflection where I was just like, wow. And I would ask myself, am I not seeing something here? Like, am I being blind already to something? (laughs) Red flag and it never came up. And so that continued. And that's when I saw, okay, this is safe. I feel expansive. I'm safe. And there you go. (laughs) I'm so glad to hear. Yeah. Well, Ronalee, what advice might you say to someone who's maybe sitting on the fence of joining a program such as this? I would say be brave. It's very scary, but I listened to Amanda's podcast episode this morning and she said, if you came across Gloria's podcast and you're considering it, there is a very good reason why this kind of program attracted you and you're attracted to it. I can say for myself that you have to really be prepared to do the work and take it very seriously. I was at a point in my life when I joined the program where I had just kind of gotten out of a longer relationship and had had this trauma bond interaction with this guy that I mentioned to you on our first call, Gloria, a self-proclaimed narcissist who told me in our first conversation, he's a narcissist, and I just ignored it. In hindsight, I'm shocked that I did. I was just like, okay, as if it was a very normal thing. But narcissists are a very specific type of personalities. And I needed this. I needed this. And it happened at a time in my life where it was pretty perfect timing. I was in the middle of deciding whether we were going to move to a different city. Relationship was over. It was the first time where I had this space open up for me, not just internally, but also in the apartment. So I actually had space for me to have a safe space and look at this work and leave all my notes all over the place. You know, my son doesn't read, so it doesn't matter if he sees it, but I wouldn't have wanted my ex-boyfriend to see any of this because it's just so personal. So be brave and be ready to really dig deep. It's going to be deep and you're not going to regret it. It will open up your life to something new, something better than what you had before. If you have only gone through anxiety and avoidant anxious relationships and narcissists like me and neglect and abandonment and trust issues. There is only one way this can go, which is it's going to be amazing. So that's what I would tell anyone. And I wanted to also mention if any of the listeners are on the fence and want to talk to me about the program, I would be more than happy to share my experience. Thank you. (laughs) I always have to do that. (laughs) Thank you, Ronalee. Maybe not like 10,000 calls, <laughs> but <laughs> I'd be happy to like exchange messages and just kind of, you know, give someone that final push. If there's a specific question that you need answered from someone who's done the program, I would be happy to answer. It has been amazing and I couldn't recommend it more to anyone. Oh, thank you so much. That means a lot to me personally, Ronalee. We've obviously loved having you inside the program. So thank you for that. Yeah, that means a lot. And so what are you up to now? What's next for you on this journey? Are you expanding the yoga business? What's going on? Yes. 
So I am at a point in my life where I am reconsidering what I'm doing, my career. And yes, I have a lot of ideas for coaching and yoga workshops. I mentioned that I recently started doing Reiki. So I want to be able to use all of the healing modalities that I've done before and help others to heal their bodies from the inside out. Just trying to be there for people who need this kind of work. I think everyone needs it. And it's something we often forget that our health is everything. Our soul is everything. And we just ignore our souls so much. So yes, I will be posting things on my Instagram and anyone who is interested, I would be more than happy to chat. And my Instagram handle is Roanne underscore yoga health. I think. Um, I will <laughs> put it in that. the show notes. Yes, yes perfect. <laughs> thank you, Ronalee. This has been such a wonderful conversation as always. Thank you so much for taking this time to come onto the show and sharing your story. Thank you, Gloria. This has been such a pleasure and a privilege for me. And I just want to say thank you to you again for being so loving and holding the space for me. Like this is the healing moments that I've had. I can really remember those moments when you just held space and that was enough. That was all I needed for some things. And it's shocking how magical that can be for someone. And thank you so much. OMG, that was my brilliant client, Ronalie, who is just fabulous. Now, if you are also a high achiever who's ready to call in a secure, extraordinary relationship and you want the help of me and my team, we are currently enrolling for the Soulmate Program, the 12-week experience to develop a secure attachment style by healing your inner child. And what's so special about the Soulmate program is that even though the core content can be done in 12 weeks, we actually follow you in our community coaching setting for months and months afterwards so that you can implement and troubleshoot and have us grow with you into your new relationships. If you are absolutely ready to step into this next level, book a free call with my team at bygloriazang.com slash soulmate or click on the link in the show notes below to get started. And if you're a little bit nervous, that's okay. Totally normal. I promise that we don't bite. Everyone I work with is so, so friendly, so compassionate, and we're really just here to help support you in making a decision, in helping you decide if this program really is a good fit for you. Now, with that being said, take a screenshot and tag me on Instagram at ByGloriaZang if you absolutely loved this episode. Love to hear from you all. And I will see you in next week's episode. Bye for now. Mwah. If you love this episode, please hit subscribe and give us a five-star review. It really helps me a lot. So thank you. To join the community and get your daily dose of inner child tips, follow me on Instagram and social media at ByGloriaZang or visit ByGloriaZang.com. If you're a high achiever or entrepreneur who wants to work with me, message me the words high achiever and I'll get in touch. Thanks, bestie. See you in the next one. Thanks for tuning in, Bestie. I've got something for you. If you think this show deserves a five-star review, we'll send you my free Inner Child Starter Kit as a thank you for your support, which contains exclusive wallpapers and resources for you to download. To get your kit, just upload a screenshot of your review on Apple or Spotify to my webpage, 
bygloriazang.com slash reviews. The link is also in the show notes. There you can also check out my healing sessions and programs at bygloriazang.com. Make sure to subscribe to the podcast and I will meet you in the next episode. Mwah.